Welcome to Foreman Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And Cindy, I, I went on vacation. I'm so Can happy you for it? you. It's so exciting that you got to go there, too. And especially after everything that's, you know, going on. It's just so nice that you got well, to after, go on a trip I, to a I, foreign country. So a, after a couple of years, mm-hmm. and, it's been, it's, and it's been a while for Sicily in particular, because that's where we went. But after a couple of years of waiting and waiting, so a couple of months ago, like after last summer goes by and we don't go anywhere with the pandemic, mm-hmm. this summer coming, it's like, okay, we think we can finally go somewhere. And Sicily is always kind of on the like, the girls want to go to the beach. I want to go to Italy. Sicily has nice beaches. Mm-hmm. It's Italy. It's a good setup, right? <laughs> and great food. And well, wine. and so much There's great that. food. And, and, and right. we're going to get into that. <laughs> but... Then the girls are watching. Uh, they, once in a while, I put a chef's table on, and they watch, and they're very interested. They're the best series. And sometimes they're not. Like they can tell who. Oh, okay. Is really honestly, they have, <laughs> they have a, a BS meter that is amazing, with the, these programs. There's certain chefs are like, mm, no, no, Dad, no. Um, but we saw one <laughs> of the ones. We saw the one on Jordi Roca. Oh Remember at Can Roca, yeah, which is so amazing. And we we've been there, yeah. a couple of times, and he is a genius. He's a lunatic, but he's a genius. And in a, and I don't mean that lightly. I mean that, like he's, he's extremely crazy gifted. idea. Figures out how to make it work. Yeah, execution's amazing. And he Product might be using amazing. a, a blow to, uh, a, a hair dryer or something to make it happen. You know, it's just yeah, he's he's he, incredible. He, he doesn't have a lot of boundaries. Mm-mm. So the, 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 there's one that's. Another pastry one that's completely classically oriented, and it's about Cafe Sicilia. And so the girls watched this one with me <laughs> and watched Corrado's pastries and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And they were like, we have to go there. <laughs> we have to go there as soon as possible, uh, Dad. Yeah. So that – Part of our vacation was purely to have pastry. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. They're lucky because because I think a lot of chefs would like to go see him because he is really an amazing and so grounded and so talented and uh, you know his skill level is just sky high. Yeah. So just since I started with that, I'll start mm-hmm. with that. Mm-hmm. So the the place is in Noto, uh, N O T O, very far south. You have to remember that and. And there's a heat wave this summer. And the sun is on you. When I say it's on you, remember that parts of Sicily are further south than parts of Tunisia are north. Yeah. Wow. Gosh. Okay. Right. Hmm. So the the sun is on you. And the the day we went was a smoking hot day. And uh, to walk into a very, like, calm, cool, small Mm -hmm. place with a few tables. And and like most pasticceria in Italy... There's a bar on sort of one side and a pastry case on the other side. It's not big. You, you were ready to bathe and sorbet. It was so hot. No, I was <laughs> ready to be in a cooler place and out of the, the sun, which was just baking. Mm-hmm. And um, we walk in and I pick out a variety of different pastries. And, and, and the girls are pointing at things and asking questions about things. And, and so we end up with a table full of 
you know, probably seven different things. And one after the other, after the other, after the other, are they're classical items, but they're executed so well. What did you have? And the seasoning is so thoughtful. I mean, things are like the right sweetness level. So the, the most famous pastries of Sicily, one is cassata, and the small cassata he makes, it calls cassatina, um, it was one. And that's the thing that's always been my favorite in Sicilian pastry. And it was gen- it, while it was fabulous, it then knocked me out the way that some of the others did. So we had a cassata, and that's a very elaborate pastry that you can look up and find a recipe for and be frustrated with yourself that you, that you cannot make it. Mm. <laughs> um, it. It can be often oversweet, and it was not oversweet. Um, there was one that was a layered soaked cake uh, that had layers of uh, what seemed like a saffron genoise. Um, and that's a good start. And there was a saffron cream. Okay. Uh, there was a white chocolate cream. Oh my! Mm. Uh, and, and and there were a couple of layers, and the topping for it was uh, marmalata. Was orange, but it was enormously different from any other orange marmalade mm. or marmalata I've ever had before. It was one of those like exactly right sweet bitter. It, oh. it just nailed it. Right. Well, the, the saffron and the white chocolate and this perfect orange flavor would be so beautiful together. I was, can envision it pretty yeah, easily. That, it, mm. I, I can envision it very mm-hmm. vividly. That's, well, yeah. <laughs> That's, and, and, uh, and my littlest one, Odalette, she just destroyed that. Okay. Um, we had a Tortino Savoia, the one pastry that's borrowed from the north of Italy um, and is often done in the south, in Naples and in Sicily. And this is uh, a, a like a chocolate dome covered egg white. It's a strange meringue inside mm. with almonds. <laughs> and God, ground bless. almonds, whole almonds. What kind of almond? Almond paste. He grows his own almonds. I, yes. So they're whatever he wants to do with He's them. He's so amazing. It was like it's it's a it's a meringue almond magic well, he's, business. He's been responsible for you know bringing back product that was about to disappear in the region, isn't he? I believe that's part of his. One particular variety of pistachios, yes. Yeah, yeah, he's... And... Yeah, very So that's significant. the Tortino. That way. Um, we had uh, a cannolo. Now, in the States, we always say cannoli because you get a bunch of cannolis. That's plural, cannolo. So you get one. They'll give you one. <laughs> uh, the shell, unbelievably... Mm-hmm. Crispy, fabulous, perfect, the right he makes, brownness. He makes that on the show. It's it's incredible to watch. The the, the, rico- skill. the ricotta <laughs> is that morning's milk yes. turned into fresh, sweet chief's milk cheese. Thank God for yeah. that. That's just amazing. And, and a little cane sugar. Yeah, that's that's mind-blowingly that simple but just, incredibly I mean, it's brilliant. A, it's a cookie with fresh cheese. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh. just, I think... There, there were tears shed. Yeah, o- over that. I could shed a tear that I don't have that in front of me I, right now, it's, it's, as well as probably everyone listening. Yeah. It, <laughs> it was worth the extra like two and a half hour trek to go there and have pastry. Yeah, of and course. And I can think of zero times I've ever wanted to do that, and I would gladly do that again. Mm-hmm. And then we had lemon granita. We had the famous uh, almond granita. It's made with almond milk would, as well. I would give anything to get to taste that. The sweetness that. level is perfect, perfect. Remember, the Sicilian lemons, 
they usually pull them when they're still green. Okay. Uh, but I mean that 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 visit to Cafe Sicilia in Noto that Corrado Asenza has had for I guess he is a second generation his son is learning with him now um, was remarkable and, and absolutely worth its own little detour you know Michelin Guide is like well one is worth a stop two is worth a detour three stars is worth a trip I'm like this is a two maybe three you know for my Five-year-old, my eight-year-old, it was definitely worth the trip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's but that that mm. it's funny. Sweets are so important there and more elaborate. And I think it's because Sicilian food, you know, is its own melting pot. You think about, I mean, all the Crusades ran through there. You know that North Africa is present there. There have been so many conquests of Sicily and so many blendings of cultures. You see all kinds of folks. And it's enormous coastline. And the things that it grows, they're not that many, but the things that it grows, it grows really, really well to the peak of their flavor, like almonds and pistachios. And seafood obviously powers large majority of the populations around the edges of the island. You know, Palermo, Palermo Trapani, Catania, and, you know, Taramina, the, all, all of these population centers are along the coast. I know you told me about a dish you had more than once. You liked it so oh, much, which well, is unusual and, and, for you. And fish is a constant. I mean, that's the thing that you need to find the people that are really maniacs for getting the fish and the seafood that day. Um, there, there are a couple of things that I very specifically would go back for. One was there's a little restaurant in Giardini Naxos, which is the first Greek settlement uh, in Sicily. So not new. Um, on the like an odd little tucked away restaurant called Sea Sound, <laughs> which I mean, like, oh, well, that's that's kind of dumb. But then you go there and you walk all the way back along this weird path, and you recognize, oh, no, this is not dumb. This is just what it is. You're like hanging on a cliff, mm. and the sea is right there, wow. and you can hear it crashing against the cliff. Nice. <laughs> So it has a C sound. Mm -hmm. Like, nope, the dummy is me. Um, in that place, a couple of really remarkable things. Uh, and yes, I did go four times to get the bluefin tuna tartar. <laughs> so the fellow who owns it, Horatio, uh, is, he's had it from its inception. His brother and his family have all been in the fish business for a long time. He grew up in it. Perfect. So he goes and he chooses what he wants each day. And that's what they're cooking. Mm -hmm. So he, he knew I liked the bluefin. <laughs> so he just would get it again and again. That's nice. And the recipe is so simple for the tartar. And I think it probably would translate to big eye especially mm -hmm. pretty well. Um, big eye tuna that you can get here much more easily than bluefin. Bluefin has a little bit stronger flavor. But it's it's just a few things. Fresh mint. When I said that to you a couple of days ago, you were like, what? Yeah, I've never put, yeah. thought of putting mint with tuna. Yeah. Fresh mint, uh, mm. the little local capers. Nice. Uh, fresh onion, but onion literally, like, they had to go washed off because they just pulled it out of the ground. Um, salt and pepper, really good olive oil, relatively strong olive oil. You know, that's uh, it's, all, the, it, it's all from Toya from Sicily that 
you know, but 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 fresh. You can see that green in the color, and uh, and a big squeeze of one of those lemons, those green skin, big fat juicy lemons that they have, and that's the whole ball game. Yeah, that's. And oh my goodness, and things cutting kind of like almost like mm, I don't know medium dice. Okay. So you get a little texture, a little, little texture yeah. from it. Yeah, I like that. Just that spectacular. Sounds, yeah. Well, it's all it all comes down to the same thing, which is all the main item quality of product. Oh, it's the, the product. Yeah, it's all about the product. I was trying to explain. It's though, not about the chef. It's or, about the product. Orazio, that that I I love making Italian food and I love sharing it, and doing what I can in the states, but I don't think I could ever create a Sicilian restaurant because. You can't get the ingredients here. You can't. Right. That 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 tuna was caught early this morning. You know the the calamari. Like the, another day, we had little tiny baby calamari. You know, complete. Yeah. I mean, with so ink, the ink sac, the head, the, like. That's the, amazing. They're, they're so little that there's no real bone structure. I mean that. <laughs> and fried complete. Yeah. Very light batter and lemon. Period. End of story. No salt because it's just come out of the sea, and the ink sac has enough salt that there's like a little salty burst. That's cool. And with each one, which is kind of wild. What did you drink with that? Um, champagne. Oh, okay. And so the one the one thing you consistently see on list in Italy um, that's not Italian is champagne because they don't make that, and it's great. But there are a lot of salty products, crunchy products, crispy products. That are antipasti and champagne is a great start. And there's a lot of spumante that's created, but champagne's from so much further north. The acidity is very different, and acts differently with the food. The other thing, the the last thing I would say uh, in this particular place, and we went to other places. We went to Grand Bleu, uh, which is a French chef, but using Sicilian products. That's right in Taramina. That is remarkable, and also like hangs on the cliff. Wow. And had grilled aragosta, which is a spiny lobster. And and beautiful pasta there, um, but and Sea Sound also had he had cuttlefish fresh, had just arrived like everything else. It's like well, because he's at at this point he's he's just taking me in the kitchen the second day and showing me what they've got. That's fun. Yeah, <laughs> now we we became pals, <laughs> and um, I saw the cuttlefish and I'm like, oh, what are you doing with that? It's like, well, what do you want to do? Like, well, I'm in the mood for pasta. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> so it's, they, they just take fresh spaghetti, pull the ink sac and the beak from the cuttlefish, and in the pan, you know, the spaghetti is cooked. It goes into the, the, the pan with a little bit of olive oil and just dumps the entire ink sac in there. Hmm. So the, the, the level of pigment is unbelievable. But the texture... And, and and the spaghetti goes black immediately. The the texture of the pasta and the silkiness of that liquid, it, and obviously no no salt involved anywhere because it's all you don't need it. It's yeah. all naturally there. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I mean, there's just a little bit of lemon, but you know it's dry pasta, so it's like eight minutes in the water and. A minute and a half in the pan with the the egg, and and in that in that minute and a half in the pan, cutting up the uh, the cuttlefish and and just searing it really quickly in a pan, tossing it in there, 
like four ingredient dip, but oh my gosh. Yeah, that's I was that's just thinking these are experiences that very few people completely get non to have. recreatable. Right. Sixteen euros. Euros one to one. Wow. Yeah. Well that's like, a crazy situation. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, that's it's time I will to go take to Europe. It, but yeah, I mean well, except for all the travel drama, but yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, when we come back on Formula Wolf on Food and Wine, a few more words about Sicilian food. And then we're going to get into a couple of nerdy Italian wines. Good. And then we're going to race in the direction of Ratatouille <laughs> and all the beautiful summer product uh, that's coming from the Maryland Farms right now on Formula Wolf on Food and Wine on WYPR. Welcome back to Formula Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And we're talking about Sicily and summer food and and uh, really high usage, high value Italian wine for well, you, summertime. You had a great trip. That was a great experience. Well, and lucky enough to eat a lot of really remarkable things. Mm-hmm. And some you can recreate, some you can't. Well, one of the things I know I can recreate is some of the caponata. You know, essentially sweet and sour eggplant. Right. That, well, it's uh, coming in now. Yeah. Locally. Yeah. Now, now is the time. That it's funny. I got a text a few weeks ago from um, one of the farmers, and it was followed by one from another farmer. With, it's like, you know what? The way that the eggplants, the peppers, and the tomatoes are setting up this year, they're as good or better than any he's seen in the last twenty-five. Oh, good. That's exciting. Yeah. Great. Okay. So when it comes, you know, before we move to vegetables um, with Sicilian wines, do you have some, or Italian wines, I guess, in general? Yeah, I guess I was, I was there. thinking about, with, with the cooking, it's, I mean, it was pretty funny because we were there, you know, probably 10 days before we had a red wine. <laughs> Interesting. And, and some, of the, some of the white grapes are, they're not expensive. They can be very good. And they're built a little bit differently because they're not that far north. They don't have the bright acidity. They have some acidity, but they have often a little bit of tannin that that comes across as almost a little bit of bitterness. And the way that the palate balances in that cooking often runs that way. There's some acid, there's some sweet, there's some bitter, and then there's all the flavor that's inside of all that structure. Um, and, And the wine reflects that. It's also just an adaptation of what plants make sense and, and what is adapted to that particular climate. A lot of times you're at altitude, uh, and a lot of times you're in very dry places. And Mount Etna is where a lot of the better things grow on the north side of that volcano. And uh, and the reds are pretty famous. Nerello Mascalese, Nerello Capuccio are the, are the two important native red varietals, and they've been there more than 3,000 years. Mm. I don't know how old Catarato is. This is going to sound like a, a bunch of stuff that sounds the same. But the the grapes that are terrific on that hill in particular, Catarato is one. It's a little more citrusy. Carricante, uh, which is one that's a little more, it, it's bitter and a little plumper in the way that, and I don't mean bitter unattractively, I mean like the thing that makes it feel fresh in your mouth. Sure. You know, that's 
um, and, and there there is good acid that's there, not quite as much as the the Catarato, but Caracante has this this plumpness and this almost like green fig fruit to it that's that's like just coming ripe, and is really attractive. And both of those things with lots of grilled fish that we had, really super. And you know, and and you know the preparations are simple, right? It's just branzino or rata. Orata we call durad or sea bream. Uh, you know, basically pretty oily, flavorful, flat-ish fish that they that, that grill easily. Are they cooking them whole or cooking them, them? Cooking yeah. them whole and filleting. Yeah, just and th- there are a couple of other things that we just we can't see here, like the you know the one that the French would call durad rosé, um, belli. Um, that's what what the Sicilians will call it, beautiful eyes, big eyes. But the, those those whites are very useful. They're not expensive. Um, we found a couple of uh, white Nurella mascalese. So just like in Champagne, they remove the skins okay. and just use the juice with some red grapes. Uh, that's how that white is made. It can be very interesting. Um, not a little. Norella Mascalese is built not unlike Pinot Noir, but it communicates all of that volcano. You know that that the soil is very particular and has a big presence in the wine. And again, I don't mean that unattractively. I mean that as far as like having a mineral intensity, but it works especially with seafood and mushrooms too. Um, and then. But there were reds sort of on my brain. We stopped in Rome on the way back. Cesanese is the red wine that's uh, the red grape of Lazio and is often the, the red wine that works really well with a lot of what's there. Where is Lazio? Lazio is the province around Rome. Okay. Okay. So growing grapes if, if, if outside you, of if Rome. If you were a Roman, you would have called it Latium. <laughs> um, so, yeah, just south of Rome is the most famous district. is Olivano Romano. Is the the village, and uh, there's a producer there I've visited a couple times over the year because I think his stuff is brilliant. Damiano Cioli, uh, C I O L L A, L L I rather, um, and these are reds that are medium build at most, uh, fresh, crispy, snappy, almost a little like black peppery herby. Um, do well with fried things, strong vegetables. I mean, red wine with artichokes, what's actually going to work? Right. Artichokes very difficult. Yeah. But lots and lots of artichoke dishes or pasta with artichokes, great with that. Um, tomato, no problem with the acidity. And, and and not heavy. And not not oaky, not the vanilla. What? It's Baltimore. It's 90 some odd degrees outside. You want something that you can have a little bit cool, and refreshing, and that cleans up what it is that you're cooking. And what you're cooking isn't heavy, but it has intensity, especially because if you're cooking in the season, right? You need, you know, you need that. And we're starting to get local tomatoes, which is exciting. Yeah, exactly. Especially since it's been a little bit cooler, spring and well, summer. And Chesan is it as well with tomatoes? Uh, a white that does well with tomatoes that uh, from Italy, Vermentino, uh, that you see from Sardinia, that does well. Again, not a big piece of money can have real real richness to it. It also is really good with cheese, whether it's fresh cheese or aged cheese. Vermentino. 
And it has almost like a saline mineral note to it. I'm afraid this is a topic I can go on for a long, long time. Well, I, and I know your love for white wine and wine in general, Tony, so I cer- certainly understand how you could talk about this for hours. Yeah, I don't want everyone to sleep, so. Well, <laughs> we should remind listeners, if you just joined us, you're listening to Foreman and Wolf on Food and Wine, and I'm Chef Cindy Wolf. And I'm Tony Foreman, and we're deep into Sicily and going <laughs> to pivot to using all these summer vegetables. Yeah, it's 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 that just, are coming. It's just an exciting moment right now because we really are in the thick of it with the farmers. So they're busy and uh, the amount of product that's coming out is great. And so this is a time to hit your farmer's market or go to your farmer's stand if you have one. Oh, man, cherry tomatoes. What are you, what are you doing with cherry tomatoes so far? Because they're great. Uh, I, I just made my first batch of gazpacho. And um, <clears throat> we, we got some gorgeous yellow tomatoes, which are just both sweet and acidic and have plenty of juice and the texture is just perfection um, from Zaratka Farm from Ian and um, he had some red tomatoes that were also quite tasty so but the sort of the the group of uh, little cherries and other little tiny tomatoes that he had that always just adds so much seasoning sort of if you will to the gazpacho so it's nice and it's also beautiful I love those um the really dark, almost black little uh, cherry tomatoes with the, with the uh, super beautiful color right by the stem that just sort of bursts out of them, and um, yeah, the, it's it's great that we're we're getting this kind of product. But the you know, and also the zucchini and and eggplants, as you as you mentioned earlier, coming in, it's it's you know between that and potatoes and tom- and onions and all the herbs and you know it's just almost everything seems to be available right now and and the fruit we're getting all kinds of stone fruit it's like it's like it's like a massive celebration yeah. of food well, and, right and now how, how good are Luckily. the nectarines right now oh they're really good i made uh i made magre with a piece of seared foie gras and we uh put uh, both the local peaches and the local nectarines we Actually, what I I did the last time I worked with fruit like that, I I put too much cognac in. <laughs> the nectarines have so much acid, oh, so much intensity. Yeah, they're so good, and and um, we 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 made it with a little bit of brown sugar, and we actually uh, melted the brown sugar in a little bit of warm water, and then added the cognac to it, and then as we peel and slice the peaches and the nectarines, go right into that to keep them from discoloring, as well as giving it that extra flavor. And uh, heating that up with uh, the magre and the foie gras and a little reduction sauce is, is, was really, really great. But, yeah, and we, and we have all kinds of cherries. We're doing seared foie gras with the cherries, um, you know. With so, the sweet cherries. Mm-hmm. And, and sort of almost making like a, a little jam with them. You know, the, sweet, I, the sweet cherries are really dense this year. We, we are having it's from that It's from that cool set of spring. We had a nice cool stretch. And so things came along at a reasonable pace. Good. You can see, like, tomatoes are not splitting a bunch. Yeah. You know, as they're, as they're setting up. No, product looks great. It's yeah. in great shape. Yeah, the, to have the sweet and the sour cherries at the same time is pretty fun. And, um, yeah, I just cooked those down with uh, red wine and port and didn't have to add any sugar at all. Um, yeah, and just almost took them down to where it was like a jam and uh, heat that up with, in the pan with the foie gras to get some of the fat from that. Really great. What else do you see coming out right now? I mean, I like I said, I've got caponato on the brain. I've got eggplant on the brain. I love eggplant. Eggplant fries. I want eggplant fries. Oh, yeah. Chef, you need to make a lime okay. dish with eggplant fries. <laughs> okay. Well, that's you know, easy. <laughs> where, where it looks kind of silly, but it's hmm. actually just so delicious. crazy delicious. Right. We're doing zucchini beignets right now, nice, long, sort of thin uh, pieces, and putting them in a – it's it's 
as always, my Benya batter is really more like a tempura, but um, just doing those. And that's just, uh, just when, when the, you know, you get that crispy exterior and then that soft flesh of the zucchini on the inside, it just almost literally melts in your mouth when you're eating it. It's, oh, it's so good. That, yeah, the eggplant fries that I'm envisioning have a lot of, uh, of herbs, like mm-hmm. fine herbs sprinkled when they come out, with the, like mixed with the salt when they come out. And then mm-hmm. some of that really good Persian saffron. Oh, yeah. Make an ayuli, mm-hmm. nice and garlicky and saffrony. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Dip good. Dip that guy in there. That's so good. You know, I was thinking about green tomatoes because mine, my plants, my tomatoes are still very, very green. And I'm starting to wonder about them, quite frankly. Um, the longer that they, the longer that they take to turn, the more intensity they're going to have. Yeah. Well, so we'll see. But um, I almost pulled one off to make a little green tomato for uh, fried green tomato for breakfast this morning, which is something I've never done for myself in my house ever. You and made I, breakfast? Yeah, I don't eat. Never no, I breakfast? don't make fried food <laughs> or fried green <laughs> tomatoes for myself. I, oh. I make them at the restaurant all the time. But um, yeah, and I just couldn't bring myself to bring the, take the fruit off the plant. But um, yeah, I'm just going to wait. But I'm excited to. And all my zucchini plants died in the last three days. And I don't know if it was because of that crazy storm we had, but they're all dead. I'm like, no, you can't. That can't be. But thank goodness for farmers. And there are, theirs are all fine, I'm sure. But oh yeah. Well. yeah. The only like big losses I've heard this year so far has been apricots. Oh, no. It was frosted. Like oh. they always flower at a different time. Okay. And there was a big frost right at that flowering. Hmm. Well, everything else is great. So we'll be thankful for it. It, it has been beautiful. The thing that makes me crazy when people make caponatas when they use really strong vinegar or they decide to get creative and use flavored vinegar or mm-hmm. like you just need enough to season. Yes. So what else do you put in there? I mean, you cook it until it's done. You don't want to pull it apart. You want the texture is the thing. You mm-hmm. know, that's – and you, you have to peel the darn thing because when once in a while I'll see caponata where – they don't peel the eggplant properly, no, and that's kind of nuts. Need, yeah, just use a peeler, literally use a peeler or a sharp bearing. Yeah, you don't really need to brown anything. It just needs to be soft enough. It's it's that in-between. It's kind of al dente, you know, um, where it's cooked and it doesn't, like, taste like nightshade. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's you need good oil, like really good, fresh, fruity, extra virgin. For me, like simple white wine vinegar. Sometimes that can't – because red will have a little bit bigger presence. And you're doing this in a pot on the stove, right? Or you're doing this in the oven? I'd roast it in the oven. Okay. And then I'd finish it in a pot. Okay, All right. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and and a little bit of sugar or a little bit of honey. Honey is nice in that. Honey tone would be pretty. Yeah. Yeah. And I will admit, I the one sort of like odd cheat that I always have is pine nuts. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I had it in one place. Whole, whole or ground? Whole. A whole. All right. Yeah. Toasted pine nuts, like just to finish. Okay. That I've I've had a couple different variations actually. Just in Sicily, I had one where they had muscat grapes that they had dried. Oh, wow! So all the sweet was in those, you know, and those raisins basically, and like the That's eggplant nice was a little like sour, a little bitter, mm-hmm. and those little bursts. Oh, I love that idea. That was great. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, but I I, I like the pine nuts. I like the little that other little different fat that we, they that they provide. We just got Genovese basil from uh, Karma Farm and I mean their basil is just gorgeous perfection. And um and by the way, w- w- I had asked him how to handle it because we, we bought a large quantity and you, you know if we put it in the walk-in which is what we always do with herbs uh to keep them cool and nice, it doesn't work with basil. It just immediately turns, you know, weepy and um 
sort of ruins it. And so we, he had these huge buckets that they came in and let us keep one. And uh, he said just enough, uh, about an inch of water in the bottom of the bucket just to keep the roots. Well, they were on the root, by the way. Yeah. And just to keep the roots moist. So, I mean, yeah, that's... It's it's done beautifully for us. It, We've had no problem. Like flowers. Yeah. yeah, I was so excited that that worked. So. But we can talk about pesto when we come back. Ooh, when we come back on Formula Wolf Home Food and Wine, we're going to talk about pesto and more <laughs> summer food and maybe sneak in another wine or two on WIPR. Welcome back to Foreman and Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. Tony Pesto. So we were just talking about... Tony Pesto. Tony Pesto. That's your new name. Jeez. Um, <laughs> we were just talking about how to preserve basil when, when you take it... Well, and they had the root on, so uh, we were keeping it in a bucket with a little bit of water. But um, we had so much basil. We don't make a, a lot of things at, where I cook every day uh, in huge quantity. We just don't. And so when we get something that is a huge quantity, we have to figure out how to deal with it. And that's what happens with farmers or you. You bring me things and I'm like, oh, my God, that's way too much. So um, we just we, we adapt. But we're, we're thankful to have the product. Um, but sometimes quantities can, can be tough for us. So um, with the basil, I looked at uh, Benito, who works at one of our other restaurants where we make a lot of pesto. I said, okay. We're going to make pesto. <laughs> and um, we bought pine nuts, which I'm sorry to say are unbelievably expensive. Yeah, crazy expensive. Yeah, it's just nuts. But anyway, we so we didn't use as much as we would normally just to try and make it reasonable. And also I wanted to uh, do this for a piece of fish. So I was bringing in turbo. And I just thought, oh, my gosh, how great would turbo, which is a flat fish, nice, sweet, little flaking because they're small fish. Um, turbo can be a huge fish, but we buy little guys um, and uh, it flakes into little pieces. So it's a pretty delicate fish. And I didn't want to have too much garlic in there. And, and uh, we added a nice amount of lemon to it and not too much cheese. So we balanced out the idea of pesto for this specifically for this piece of fish. The garlic that you put in your pesto, did you? Poach it first? Yes. Yeah. So we didn't use much, but we poached it and um, and then chopped it, chopped it a little bit before we went into the food processor. Um, but you, this is a food processor product. So it's, it's lots and lots of basil, a little bit of pine nuts, a little bit of garlic, um, a little bit of Reggiano and olive oil, of course. And you want a lighter olive oil, I think, with this. You know, you don't want a heavy in-your-face olive oil. You want something that's prettier and more flowery. And, um, yeah, you you should just snag a bottle of the Tajiaska uh, that we use yeah, across the street. Yeah, that that's a gorgeous one. That's it's almost golden. I love that. I love. I can smell that right now. But anyway, so it's basil, basil, the pesto, the garlic, the Reggiano, uh, the olive oil, salt and pepper, and we do add a little bit of fresh lemon juice. And it balanced out where it was actually a little heavy on the lemon, and I was a little bit worried about it. But mm-mm, it was it was fantastic with the fish, and you know, kind of one of the fun things you can sort of take a, a, a wider pastry brush and just sort of dip it into the pesto and just paint the entire plate with the pesto. It's very pretty, um, especially if you have a piece of white china or a plain piece of china that doesn't have a pattern on it and then just you know put that beautifully uh, executed piece of fish on top and we did um, uh, serve it with some crispy zucchini which was just I mean the, it was just great together it was so bright and fresh 
It's making me think about pesto with fish. The it's funny that one thing I, I told the girls we we're gonna make this summer we have not made yet is trophier the little. Love those. It, it's, it looks a little bit like it when you have like a ribbon on your lapel. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a pasta that's that shape. And uh, that's a traditional Ligurian shape. And, that's great. you know, trophie a pesto genrese is a sup- super classic thing. Yeah, yeah. traditional. Very. They'll often do it with a little bit of very like garlicky, toasty breadcrumb sprinkled oh. All right. on that. Nice. Oh, I like that. Yep. Yeah. So it's like. Hot pasta, cold sauce, toss, crispy breadcrumb. You know, we're also, you know, just thinking about pasta because Everardo, uh, my chef de cuisine, um, makes a pasta every day for us. And it's really a joy for him. And I was thinking about that one pasta that they make where they flick it across the table. I, I don't know what it's called. It almost looks like a a drawn out snail. I mean, that's kind of probably a weird way of putting it, but it's it's it's. Um, it's it's long and thin, and it it's almost like ribbon-like. But I was watching one of the uh, videos on <laughs> Instagram. It was like the the grandmothers of Italy doing videos. Oh, that's funny. Oh, it's awesome. I mean, and these women, they're all like 98 years old. And, and you know, they've carried this tradition. I mean, these are women that they're using these hands. They've been using them for 90, oh. you know, 90 of those years probably or 95 of those years. And their skill level is just amazing to watch. I, 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 I literally couldn't stop watching those videos the other day. They were so fascinating. And Enzo Brezza, who I think you've met, the winemaker yes. in Barolo, mm-hmm. his family has a little hotel and restaurant. His mom is now 94. Oh. She still is the only person allowed to make agnolotti. Oh, gosh, yum. You know, that's I like, I went and helped her with it one day. Mm, what a treat. Um, mostly it was like soaking the the pig liver and <laughs> all the all the rotten jobs right um but and and that's that's her secret by the way it's always like three to one pork to liver okay but the liver has been cooked in milk yes mm. wow 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 that's a good thing yeah. to learn and then and then makes the farce but to from, get to makes watch the farce from that someone like that make with all that experience her, her, all those her, years she can barely see out of one eye in particular oh, wow and 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 can barely move and she can't shape them exactly right anymore, but the 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 flavor is so remarkable, and there's something so incredibly humanly beautiful about sure. the misshaped pasta. That like going there, yeah, and having that, you you can. I mean, well, that's an experience. I, I, I can lifetime. feel every sure. bit of the care that's there. Very special. You know, the respect for a tradition, respect for place and, and, and the care that's there and, th- and the pride. I think that's one of the reasons why these folks are doing these videos because this is something that's going to disappear because young folks don't have as much of an interest and I mean that that's, you, you do not want these these amazing talents to disappear. Because no, it requires patience that, those are talents from a slower life. Right, very different I mean, that, that That's why the whole slow food movement started in Italy. You yeah, know, that's that's right. a, that's an amazing thing to, to look up. By the way, listeners, well, you're talking about food that's thousands and thousands of years old, has so much history, and you know we're we're so modern now. But this is another conversation. But yeah, it it, it could be lost, it and is. that would be horrible. Ooh, we promise ratatouille. Mm-hmm. So here on the Farm of the Wolf, we fulfill our promises. <laughs> well, <laughs> who knows about <laughs> so that? So we're talking. We're, <laughs> we're talking. We've been talking Sicilian food. We're talking. 
um, some nerdy and wonderful Italian wine and <laughs> caponata and some other summer foolishness, but we promised ratatouille. Yeah. So do you want to talk ratatouille? I, I can tell you, to me, the whole secret in making the best ratatouille is cooking all of the vegetables separately, which someone might be screaming in, at no. me right now. Uh, but that, no. I guess it's Tony. Um, <laughs> but that is how I make ratatouille. I, I make them separately and then I bring them all together. Obviously, you want the flavors to come together in the end. But I really think that, okay, so you can either make it that way or not, but that's how I make it. And, no, I, I, and I start I, with the ratatouille zucchini. ratatouille is excellent. Yeah, I start with the zucchini. And, um, you know, you want a beautiful uniform. I mean, I think the biggest thing is that everything needs to be cut in a uniform dice. Um, I would go with a medium dice. Obviously, with zucchini, you need to wash them very, very well, especially if they're from the farm, from the garden. Um, they, you need to rub the outside of them with a clean, uh, wet kitchen towel and, and rinse them off. And then, you know, obviously, you use the whole thing. You cut the ends off, but you use the whole thing, dice it up, and that gets you start that by sautéing in... Uh, I do use corn oil and a little bit of extra virgin, and it's one of the few times I cook in extra virgin olive oil because really it's it's a finishing oil. But for this, you, you you're gonna your vegetables are gonna absorb so much fat, it's unbelievable. And um, so just be conscious of that. And uh, salt, use salt and pepper from the beginning. I do lay in pieces of basil from the very beginning with the zucchini to just whole pieces, just as, and especially if you have Genovese basil. Um, that's a little bit hardier. It won't wilt the moment it hits a pan. It will wilt pretty quickly, but it will start to perfume um, the zucchini. And also you could always, as you're cutting your zucchini, you could lay in the basil from the very beginning. It just starts to kind of get the that basil tone going. I saute onions separately, um, and then I begin to add things together. Uh, the I use... Again, not in any way traditional. I use poblano peppers because I love poblano peppers. Um, so that's not normal, but that's my choice as as the person that's making the dish and the cook. And uh, I think that should be in a slightly smaller dice, or you can roast them. So I actually prefer to roast those. I do roast those with extra virgin olive oil, salt and pepper. Um, remove the um, the uh, skin after you've roasted them. Take out the pith. I, I roast them whole. So uh, after I've rubbed them with the oil, the oil salt, and pepper. Um, remove the outer skin and take out the pith and the seeds and dice that into a small dice because I don't think you want a big piece of that in your mouth. I think that's the only thing that can be a little bit smaller. I'd add that to the pan now. And then I add tomato uh, at the very end. So now everything is in the same pan. So I guess in the way you could kind of say that you're roasting the poblanos, you're sauteing the onions in its own pan, you're doing the zucchini it's in, own, in its own pan, you're combining, Tony's falling asleep. You're combining the zucchini and the onions together. You're adding the poblanos once you've cooked them, and now you finish with tomato. Where's the eggplant? And the eggplant has been roasting in the oven all along. <laughs> Don't hide the eggplant. <laughs> and that's another thing that absorbs a lot of fat. So the eggplant is like a sponge, a little bit like mushroom. Actually, it's more absorb. It absorbs more than mushrooms even. Um, and the eggplant I roast, and then. Uh, dice, so you can roast that with the skin on, but you're going to pull it out of that. In other words, you don't want, or you could dice the eggplant and saute it. Either way, roast it, dice it, saute it. I mean, your your your, your ratatouille is beautiful. Is clearly personal, <laughs> you know, and it's like perfect on the plate and that sort of thing. Lucky for you, you have like an old French lady <laughs> slash Italian lady sitting here. To explain, I do. I didn't know that. The traditional <laughs> okay. way to do it. Hi, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Because you you prep everything, and <laughs> and some things that 
the things that take longer to cook, you cut smaller, and and you start cooking them in the order that for length of time. <laughs> you know, you you onions and garlic go in the pan. Sweat. You know, a little bit of tomato goes in the pan to provide you some juice, mm -hmm. and nothing browns, and it all kind of roasts, you know, big heavy pan a long time. And you start with eggplant, bellhorn peppers if you can if you can come up with them. If not, bells are fine. But if you, especially right now in season, you should be able to get bellhorns from farmers. Those take a little bit longer to cook, and they're great. They're also great stuffing peppers. It's good. Um, and then use zucchini, mm -hmm. a little more onion. Put a big piece of rosemary mm -hmm. in the pot. Big piece of thyme in the pot. I was going to say, well. I bet you put thyme in. Add add more tomato, and then let it continue to cook and reduce. Right. And uh, if you want to have a little extra fun with it, throw cherry tomatoes in there instead. Why not? Leave the whole ones, and then they will slowly kind of like, you know, a few might explode, and a few will just be <laughs> roasted in the hole. And, and you just cook everything until it's soft, and then it's for tomorrow. Then you, you, you give it oil to finish, let it sit on top of it, and it kind of soaks in, and that's for tomorrow. You give it a little sprinkling of vinegar when you warm it up, and you're done. I didn't realize there was vinegar in there. A sprinkle, sprinkle. Okay, I've sprinkle. never done that. No, mm -mm, I'm not doing that part. You don't need to. <laughs> you shouldn't change anything about what you're doing. <laughs> I'm just providing an alternative, you know, Yep. method. Well, that's more traditional. From my sources, yeah. It's from your sources. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have one last goodie for you. And I know you're not a rosé person. I or, am when you or, pick it. Or risotto. Okay. I'm sorry to say, I, but I, I am I, when you pick okay. it. Okay, I'm, I'm picking another one. Okay. <laughs> okay. It, it is. A, it's a bit of a shocker. I don't. I don't I've had very few rosé or rosato from the Alto Adige, that northern, yeah, okay. you know, Dolomites, right, German-speaking part of Italy, all the way in the north. The uh, producer Elena Valk and her husband Wilhelm Valk, not Italian-sounding names, produced a rosé this year from Lagrain, a red grape, really like like Syrah in a lot of ways, some Merlot and a little Pinot Noir um, that is bright, clean, fresh, zingy, mm. uh, has very like first strawberry perfume kind of to it. I mean, like shockingly delicious, 8 o'clock in the morning, I'm ready to go kind of wine. Um, what? what? <laughs> but, but, and also just like very cold, delightful. What's it called? The producer's name is Valk, W-A-L-C-H. Okay. And so that's, it's just Valk Rosé? Yeah, it's it's rosato. the only rosato that they produce. Okay. That's cool. It has like a silly, like many Italian labels. And you're drinking this it at 8 o'clock in the morning? Name. I think you could. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's one of those things that's just, a, no, I'm, I'm typically not. No, I as a responsible yeah. business yeah. person, yeah, right? right? And father of two children. And father. Yeah, and, so, yeah. Okay. Well, but, that's good, though, to hear that there's this Valk oh, of it's, Rosato it's, it's out not, there for everyone to it's enjoy. It's not big money, and it's delightful. Okay, cool. It has like an odd 2026 on the label, which I don't know that it actually means anything. Okay. But that's an Italian wine label for you. And that's all we have time for. Mm -hmm. If you want to listen to this or any other one of our episodes, go to the WIPR website, wipr.org. 
Look for the Foreman Wolf page, and you can find the full menu of goodies there with different episodes. If you want to correspond with us via email, it's foremanwolf at wipr.org to follow Chef Cindy Wolf on social media. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook as Chef Wolf. My Instagram is the real Tony Foreman. And thanks for listening. Happy Sunday. <laughs>